of scriptures. The first is Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. It reads as thus. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The next scripture is Colossians 4 and verse 5. Colossians 4, verse 5. It reads as thus. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Our topic for this morning is redeem the time by returning to the basics slash Christianity 101. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. All right. Redeem the time by returning to the basics. And the basics in college classes is a one-on-one type class. So this morning, we want to talk about Christianity 101. All right. To my pastor, the angel of this church, to my co-laborers in this gospel message, And to you, God's awaiting congregation. I was in the beauty shop about three weeks ago. And the beauty shop was all decorated real pretty. There were, uh, you know, all types of decorations. And as I looked around the walls of the beauty shop... I saw words, I saw joy, and I saw peace. And I kept looking around the beauty shop for Merry Christmas. Needless to say, there was no Merry Christmas to be found in the beauty shop. Because I realized that For the owners of the beauty shop, Merry Christmas couldn't be on the walls because for them, Christ was not a part 
But I'm glad this morning that I'm here at Friendship. Because we know that there is no peace without the Prince of Peace. And there is no joy other than the kind that Jesus gives. And there is no Christmas without Jesus Christ. You see, I realize that they are not alone in the removal of Christ from Christmas. Because many people celebrate the dead, but they don't celebrate the Savior. And there's something wrong when Christ is not a part of Christmas. There's something wrong when every time we turn on the television that there's mass shooting after mass shooting and yet our Congress remains silent on creating bills to prevent these mass killings. There's something wrong when homosexuality is being pushed as the norm and okay. There's something wrong when we have mothers that are murdering their children. There's something wrong when children are killing their parents. There is something wrong and I think we can all agree without a doubt that we are living in evil days. Paul spoke to the churches at Ephesus and Colossae and he told them to redeem the time. Friendship we need to redeem the time. Redeeming the time is very simple. It says that we need to take every single opportunity that we have to win souls to Christ. That means that in the streets, at your home, in the barbershop, when you on the phone, while you shop, on the plane, it makes no difference where. Souls, souls, souls. That's what we need to gain. As we close out 2019, and we go into 2020. Friendship, we need to have winning souls on our mind. We don't need to have visions of sugar plums dancing in our head. We need to have winning souls on our mind. Our scriptural text for this morning takes the opportunity to give some pastoral advice.
and wisdom. The scripture that we read, it's the close out to the letter before the official closing. Paul wanted the church at Colossae to know that that needs to be on their mind. That is the mission of the church to win souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church at Colossae, it was on the trade route of that time. And so it means that there was a fair amount of business that was done in the city. And it was fairly close to Ephesus. It was about 120 miles away from Ephesus. And like many of the cities during that time, there were those that worshiped the true and living God. But there were also many in the city that worshiped pagan gods right alongside of one another. And what began to happen in the city of Colossae specifically was that there began to be a mixing of religious beliefs and practices. The pagan beliefs and practices had started spilling over into Christianity. And so Paul, he wrote this note to assure the believers in the church there that Jesus Christ was enough. Friendship, we need to know this morning. Jesus Christ is enough. He's enough. There's far too many people that associate themselves with the Lord. However, their ways have strayed away from what the Lord said. I'm sure that there's some here at Friendship that are that way as well. We, we, we kind of have started dibbling and dabbling. We're not holding true to the foundational principles in which we first believed. And so with that, Paul penned this letter to the church at Colossae. And it's to remind them that they need to return back to the original beliefs from when they first believed. Now, I'm from a small town called Ruston, Louisiana. And in Ruston, when I was growing up, the thing was to have old ship of Zion programs. I'm sure probably here in, 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 in Houston, they, they used to do those here too. Well, I'm just going to say on the old ship of Zion circuit, you know, because the singers would go from one church to another, from one old ship of Zion to another, and they sing songs. Well, there was a lady by the name of Cosette, Sister Cosette. And Sister Cosette used to sing, take 
me back. You know, you, you all remember that song, Take Me Back, Take Me Back, Take Me Back, Dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. And so when we think about this letter, Paul takes the Colossians, he takes them back to where they first believed. Okay? And so with that, we if you want to follow along, if we'll go to the first chapter in the book of Colossians. In order to be an effective soul winner, you need to know the doctrine in which you believe. And in order to not slip, trip, and fall, you need to know the doctrine in which you believe. And so this morning, we're going to go on just a brief refresher course. Okay? Amen? Amen. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and have been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. Now, this means that sin has no dominion over us. For we are not under the law, but we are under grace. It means that when we sin, I'm talking to the believers here. This is to the believers. You don't have an excuse. We can't say the devil made me do it. You did it because you wanted to do it. Okay? Amen. Sin has no rule over us. Right. And we now are no longer citizens of this world, for we have a heavenly kingdom. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. My old address when I lived in Ruston, it was 607 Lee Avenue, Ruston, Louisiana, the USA, planet Earth. But now I can say, my name is now Glory Street in heaven. We can say that. We can say that. Verse 14. It says, we have redemption Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The sin debt was paid by Jesus Christ. On the cross, sin was transferred to him and God judged sin right there. And God was satisfied. See, in the city of Colossae, the the church, there were false teachers telling them that they needed to be circumcised. They needed to observe religious holidays. They needed 
to reserve certain dietary restrictions. There were certain things that they couldn't touch. There were certain things that they couldn't taste. But Paul told them all of those things will pass away. He didn't just die for those of us that are in the church. He died for the sins of the whole world. To those that are within and for those that are without. Verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. When we look at this verse, we know that by him, all things were created. The things that are in heaven and the things that are in earth. Those things that we can see, they're visible to us. But also those things that are invisible. Jesus was before everything else and he made it. It was his words that spoke in the beginning and said, let there be. The false teachers were trying to convince the Colossians that they should worship the angels. But why should the angels be worshipped when they fall beneath the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I think John said it best in John 1, verses 1 through 3. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him, there was not anything that was made. Verse 17. He is before all things, and by him, all things consist. Jesus holds everything together. He holds it together. Prior to the cross, Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer. He said, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with glory. Watch this. He said, which I had with thee before the world was. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 1 and 3 tells us that it is through his power, the power in his word that everything is being upheld. Verse 18 says he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in all things yeah. he might have the preeminence. The false teachers had come up with some philosophy. You know, we, we, we good at self-help and what we think. And that's nothing new. For the first century church had to deal with the same thing. They had come up with some worldly principles and they tried to convince the church at Colossae that they needed to have these heavenly visions. Uh, they, they, they told them that they could see things. They could see the angelic beings. But Paul was very quick at calling them down and saying that they were false and that they're not really seeing what they claim to be seen. But when we think about the head, everybody has a head. Everybody has a head. Corporate entities have boards. Sole proprietorships have owners. Band and choirs have directors. Cheerleading squads have captains. But Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. And he's over the church because he began the church. He told Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now it's not built upon Peter. It's built upon the gospel message that Peter and the other disciples preached. And you do know that the gospel is about none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is preeminent. What does that word mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. That means that he's above. But not just above, he's far above everything. He's above every principality. He's above every power. Jesus. Every name falls beneath his name. Not just in this world, but also in the world to come. Scripture says that he's put everything under his feet. Everything. Nothing's left out of everything under his feet. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All right. All right. Let's see. I'm going to say this one more time. Jesus is enough. All right. Nothing is more powerful and nothing. 
is more needed than Jesus Christ. We have his unmerited favor. That means that we didn't deserve it, but we have it. And it wasn't just unmerited favor to get us to salvation. It's unmerited favor that's going to keep us throughout our lives. It's going to keep us in the new life that we have in him. It's grace upon grace. Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 9 tell us that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We have peace with God. And I believe that's where we started from. For we can't have peace with God unless we have come to know the Prince of Peace. And that's none other than Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. For it was He who came as a babe who was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. It's this same Jesus that the angels held and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. It's the same babe that's robbed into a man. And it was one day that he was walking by
Yeah. You need to shoot him. Yeah. 